The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Bushy, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready for, oh, because it is Wednesday. What day is it? Wednesday, October 13th. That means it's a Brady Grimm football show. You need some extra perils. You seem tired, buddy. You seem like you haven't eaten your many vegetables. Yeah, I need some more fruit and vegetables, I guess. I'm very tired. Sunday, I... Sunday was a long day. Well, so was Monday. Monday was a long day. Yeah. We had I mean, a record setting performance by Lamar Jackson. You know, you look yeah, at but, his Sunday was also the, the longest day of football in 50 years. Do you know that? That's what happens when you have a rain delay. And a 9.30 and a, and a London game at 9.30. Well, true. But I actually like that. I'm saying that they said it was the longest consecutive football day in 50 years because of the early game and then the rain delay at night. I mean, I, I don't know what you want, like a pat on the back, an award for that. I mean, like I, I said, a lot football of football Brady. energizes me. For some people, it makes them excited. It gets them fired up. You know, you, on the other hand, are like, oh, I'm so tired. I had to watch a bunch of football for my job. Sounds <laughs> awful, man. Sounds like you got it really hard over there. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, subscribe to YouTube. Uh, if you hurry up and subscribe now, you can probably still be eligible to win the Brinson sucks hat that we're going to send to one lucky YouTube subscriber. Uh, like and comment on this video. We're live for recaps. Of course, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, and emergency podcast. There's one of those in the feed. It's the John Gruden resigns emergency podcast. We'll get into that much more now with Brady. And of course we have our Monday night football recap in the feed as well. So let's, um, let's get right to it. What? I mean, it was Wednesday when people are listening to this, uh, you, we, you, we record this on Tuesday and on Monday night, at like 9 p.m., John Gruden resigned from the Oakland Ra- for the Las Vegas Raiders as their head coach. I mean, one to ten scale, I would say for me it was like a an eight just because of how quickly everything kind of unfolded. I think when you look at what actually unfolded, it's it's like a two in terms of this was kind of the only outcome you could really you know, foresee based on what was said in his emails. I know you did an emergency pod on this, and and I think. You know, the probably only thing that I can bring to the table 
that maybe already hasn't is just, you know, my experience being around John Gruden sure. um, and, and really it's limited to, you know, him as a head coach for the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, coming in with Bruce Allen. And they worked me out. We spent <clears throat> that night um, having dinner together, kind of getting, getting to know one another, um, you know, going up the next day, singing, watching film, you know, going over some stuff on the board and then, you know, going out to the field and spending, you know, an hour or so out there throwing and going through drills and talking with them, kind of working with them like that. And the, the things I, I took away from that experience was like, he is a very much Midwest old school football coach, you know, like a, a, um, a guy who likes to, you know, have fun, um, you know, is like kind of a guy's guy type. And so, you know, I, I wasn't surprised by any of what was said, I think it, and probably in, in an email, especially to Bruce Allen, who I knew he was really close with. And, and just from being at dinner with those guys, I mean, it was a type where, you know, you know, you have to work out the next day. He's like, Hey, have a beer with me, have a beer with me, that kind of thing. And I remember at the time being like, I don't, I mean, I'll gladly have a beer with you, but I don't know if that's like the right thing or wrong thing to do when you're here to see me for like a job interview, you know, like right, right. in other professions, like probably okay, but maybe not as an athlete. Um, I, I don't know how we would have viewed that. I you don't decided like not to. On, you don't want to tie one on with a guy before you work out. To, you know, to yeah, yeah. Give me a give me a picture of beer, by the way. Let's see how yeah. this goes tomorrow. Uh, how do you throw with a hangover? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he brought a couple wide receivers, one of which I play with in Notre Dame. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about that dinner was when I when when they kind of were done and they're like, all right, you know, Bruce and I are going to go grab you know a few beers, kind of hang out. It's like, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and get back and get get some good rest the receivers and I walked out and, you know, we had a conversation just about kind of John Gruden. I was like, man, that was kind of awkward. Like, I don't know if I should have or shouldn't. And he goes, and they were both kind of like, man, you just got to be like minding your P's and Q's. You know, they kind of have their own thing going. They're like hard to be kind of trusted in that regard. They're very kind of secretive about certain things. So that was the first thing where I was like, okay, like I felt like if he was my head coach, I don't know if I could ever trust him because mm. I'm already getting feedback from a, a player that I played with that, you know, said, said specifically to me, like, he might say something to your face and be talking crap on your back. Um, and you're talking about uh, two players, right. Who play for him that he brought down with him and they actually spent more time with. So that was like a, a red flag. And I think the next day, you know, there was a couple of things we were doing with some of the guys I was throwing to my teammates, um, a running back wide receiver, et cetera. And when they would mess something up, he would almost kind of say something to me, like kind of taking a shot at them. And I, and I was just kind of like, not really sure how to take that, but it just, it gave me the sense of kind of who he was. And, and I think the hardest, you know, thing outside of the fact of like, outside of like cancel culture and social media and everything that was said in those emails is um, his biggest issue. If that was the only thing that came out was the comment he made about Demary Smith. Um, you know, his biggest thing was going to be getting back a locker room that a lot of guys probably didn't feel like they could trust him probably felt offended by it to a degree. Maybe there's some guys who didn't care. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know those guys in the locker room, but I even think guys who aren't. There were, definitely some, there were definitely people in the locker room who would have been offended by it though. For they, sure. I mean, well, I mean, Carl Nassib, yeah. Carl Nassib is under one category. You got African-American players who are under another. You've got Derek Carr, who I think is the leader of that team is probably saying, dude, I didn't sign up for this. Like I, I, I I'm I, not, that's not the person I am. And he hits and he hits his wagon to Gruden too. Like he moved in, you know, next door to him. Like we're best friends. Right. All that. Right. So there was a lot of things that I, I just think, you know, outside of the, all that, the cancel culture BS and all, all what that is, is this was a more a lack of trust, integrity, and kind of started to reveal 
maybe behind the scenes, like that relationship that I kind of saw and heard about firsthand with him and Bruce Allen. Um, but you do have to be skeptical about like the timing of all this. Sure. The fact that, so this was an NFL investigation on the Washington football team. And this is all they found, like all the rumored misconduct, everything else. Like we don't get Bruce Allen's emails, like sending back, like, how do you respond? What did he think? I mean, there has to be more to this. Um, and so that's, that's where I kind of, I'm at now. I'm like, all right, well, what's the fallout then? Well, like what you, else? The, the investigation into the Washington football team. Did you see the number of emails that they looked at? It was like a thousand or something. 650,000. Yeah. 650,000 I mean, emails. And the only ones that come out are John Gruden saying like homophobic slurs. It's very, like, it, really? It's that's, that's the only thing that you, you found. I mean, it, I well, just, I find it highly skeptical. I'm highly skeptical about that. And I think, you know, someone, by the way, why would you ever trust the NFL at this point? In all seriousness, like I remember our draft year, Will, they had asked us on tape whether or not we smoked weed. Now to this day, I can tell you, I've never smoked weed before in my life. And I remember there were players who like honestly answered the question. Hmm. And then it came out like a day or two after we left. And like, hey, so-and-so you know, had smoked weed or so. I'm going like, okay, like, why would you think anything's ever confidential with the NFL? So obviously either Roger Goodell or someone within the NFL had a bone to pick with John Gruden. And that's how they leaked this. And I don't know what the involvement would be of DeMaurice or what, you know, the reasoning would be behind or motivation would be behind if he got a hold of it or he leaked it. I mean, it doesn't, it, it would benefit in, him in, one way or another, I don't think. In theory, well, he was up for re-election the same day that it got leaked out. Right, but why would that, why would that matter for the players' vote? Like, those things are mutually exclusive in my mind. Like, whether or not John Gruden said something about DeMarie Smith, doesn't matter to the job that he's done and the way I'm going to vote if I'm a player rep, which I was an ultimate It shouldn't matter. Rep. It shouldn't matter for sure. But right. I mean, but people do weird things for weird motivational reasons all the time. I mean, I sort of stand in the camp that it's, it's obvious what happened is the, um, and, and for on the Washington front, and we're, this is, you know, we're talking Gruden, but I mean, you know, this is not a John Gruden emergency podcast. Remember Dan Snyder is not the current acting owner of the Washington football team. Right. He stepped right. down and that's a, that's sort of flew under the radar. As a just because I don't know why, but um, you know, because it's you know maybe he's not forward facing enough, or you know he he always has been, but I mean he he gave up his um his position not his position he just, he's just not the acting owner his wife is right and, it's his wife yeah but that's that's I think that's a little bit about why maybe the Washington thing has been a little bit calmer is they you know maybe he brokered a deal where he said I'll step back you know don't do you know let's not leak this out I, I don't know um. I also think that if John Gruden and Bruce Allen emailed five times or seven times, that they probably emailed more than that, you know, like yeah. <laughs> over the And so I, and that's the, the working theory out there is that if John Gruden hadn't resigned or Mark Davis hadn't done something to be an investigation of the Raiders or, or no, they just keep sending out leaking out emails and like, like get worse after worse. Uh, I have to think that some person who did the you know, part of the investigation, some executive, I walked into Roger Goodell's office and was like, hey, man, um, you're not going to love this, but there are emails out there where John Gruden calls you a homophobic slur and a football-hating uh, P. And and I think that Roger Goodell was probably like, are you kidding me? Like, like I, I, I just think it was Goodell's like, no, we're not. He can't get away with this. We're, you know, let's do what we need to do. That's my theory. Right. Well, it, it has to be because even the way it was leaked, like the timing, right? On Monday Night Football, why on Monday Night Football? 
I don't know, the John Gruden used to call Monday Night Football for ESPN. I mean, mm. the crazy thing is, it's like, should there be an investigation in the ESPN and the conduct in their emails? I mean, what about ESPN that's where he was in the NFL for things that John Gruden did at ESPN uh, under their watch. Yeah, that's it's like crazy. I mean, I don't even want to get into all that, but like, yeah. that's that's the other hypocrisy that kind of exists with this whole situation. Um, and, and maybe you're kind of getting to it with your story from before, but didn't and I am I misremembering this? Didn't Gruden tell you he was going to draft you? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're going to come and get you. We're going to come get. We're going to draft. Oh, put his arm around me and all that. And I remember ever since I, I didn't believe a word he said. I mean, even to this day when I see him, you know, because it, it, I feel like it's all an act and he's all kind of portraying this image of what he you know, wants to be, and this isn't like kicking a man while he's down. I've always felt this way about him. I've told, I've been open and told people about this, you know, about him. Um, I, I, and to his credit, I think one of the things that I was surprised by was in his time off, I I think he got better as an offensive mind or or coach. Yeah. Um, and and I think as a personnel evaluator, well, yeah, you could probably say that, although they've, they've had their, their picks that are starting to pan out. Right. I mean, Darren Wall was there. Henry Ruggs is starting to be that guy. Um, yeah. I think Derek Carr has been underrated the whole time. Um, but anyway, I mean, the, the point is when it's, when it's all said and done, like he came back a better offensive mind than he, when he left. Like there was no questioning whether or not he could dial up some plays or, you know, give guys opportunities to make plays and uh, score points. It was their defense, which finally this year, they start to turn that around. And obviously this comes out and now he's not even going to be there to see it and see what they're capable of. Um, yeah, and I, w- I was just thinking about how, you know, so the Browns take Joe Thomas at three. Because I, I, I remember, and I mean, you, you would remember better than me because, you know, it was, you know, I mean, one, it, it was your draft. But I was I mean, like, I remember, right. I, I remember it was like, you know, it, the buzz was that you might go to the Browns and they take Joe Thomas. And then there was a very clear, like, you know, you would see it on TV. It's like, John Gruden likes the Quinn kid. And like, and he, you know, there's, there's some people believe he, and, you know, he had told you you're going to get him. So you're thinking, all right, at four, then they go Gaines Adams. And it was just like, that sticks out to me as it was like so specific that you would tell a player that even if you didn't mean it. And I know the NFL is full of subterfuge, but it's like, why would you right. lie? This is like, like outright lie. And, and that's why I always thought that Derek Carr wasn't long for the Raiders because John right. Gruden is this, like, he's very, uh, has it just a short fuse when it comes to dealing with quarterbacks that he's brought into his system over the years? Well, there was that. And then I think even like when we were watching film together, like he had this cut up made and it started off where, you know, he's got like these cheerleaders on it, you know, and he's like, Oh, you like that? You know, yeah. Look, you know, and they're kind of dancing and stuff. And then he's got like a cheetah chasing down a gazelle <laughs> kind of switches to that. It's all like a montage. It was one of the weirdest things. It was, it was the only time I ever, experience anything like this um throughout my entire process of, of pre-draft process and um I, so it goes from that to like some Notre Dame clips and him kind of showing me like hey you look back in my sophomore year uh you know on the road versus Michigan State making some big throws and Tennessee and some other stuff he's like hey I've been watching you know I've been watching you for a long time now stuff he's like you, you think you know it's just the past two years with you and coach Weiss. I've been watching for a while now and so it kind of gave me one of those. And, and then it got kind of interesting. I remember he, you know, you take those uh, shirtless photos um, that everyone will see in the combine, right? Like Tom Brady's is the most yeah. famous, you know, for standing there. Why? Well, you know, I, I worked out hard and I've genetically, like always kind of no, you know, been like that hard worker. So he puts me up there and he's like, what are we trying to do here? A little more on your lats and, you know, a little more here, a little more there, kind of like making fun of, you know, how, you know, muscular I was. 
And then he shows Jamarcus Russell. He's like, well, I don't want you to look like that either. You look out oh, I remember you telling me that. And then he shows Charlie Fry. He's like, you need to be like, look like this guy, you know, a guy you want to go out and have a beer with that kind of thing. And then he started showing some tape, some film, and he showed like a, a shot of Bruce Gronkowski, like missing some reads. And he's like, you know, kind of going through the play. I was like, what would you do here? I was like, well, like, you know, look for that window. And this is what I'm looking at here. And this is where I'd go. He's like, wow. And he'd be like, why is he not pulling the trigger? I was like, well, I don't know, coach. That's not me. It's someone else. And you know, he kind of go through this whole thing. And I just thought to myself, like, even that instance, he was like throwing a quarterback who was currently there with him. He was playing for him under the bus, um, kind of demeaning to like other guys who were in that draft class. And it just, the whole thing kind of struck me as like, I, I don't know that like you, you don't, you don't have to do this to get to whatever point you're trying to make or accomplish whatever you're trying to accomplish. You know, like, like you part of it was for his own entertainment. Yeah. It's like, or it's like, you could have just taught, you know, it's like the dad who's in driving the, 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 he's, he's in charge of like taking the kids on the school trip or whatever. And he, he makes like a hard rock mix just to let you know how cool I am, bro. I'm telling yeah. you, right here, you know, like I got this. It was uh, like, I'm all into cheetahs chasing down gazelles and you know cheerleaders dance all that stuff like that that was all cool to me but it's like all right what's the point of this you know like how is this helping you evaluate me or is this just more for your own entertainment while you're here uh it, it does look though that i did a quick google search it looks like um they uh they they uh they made you they made you get shirtless on the nfl network so they made me what i don't know it shows the nfl network shirtless brady quinn muscular brady quinn you know, the problem with you, Will, is you're like everyone else out there who just Google stuff. And then you base opinions off Google. That's a problem. I don't base my opinion off Google. I'll just tell you. Um, what was it? Was it? Uh, oh, what was the search engine you just used right there? No, I know. But there, what was the oh, okay. What was the one where you were too muscular for football? Was, it, was, it, was that a thing? Is that Gruden said that? Maybe Gruden said that. Yeah, Woody. Yeah, what do you have? Anyway. Um, you're a good-looking man. What do you don't be ashamed of your body? <laughs> I'm not. All right. Anyway, coaching searches. So the presumably the Raiders will play it out with this interim uh, group of guys that Gruden brought in. You know, it's, right. it's it's a little weird because you don't you know it's like oh well we fired Gruden for the culture let's uh you know let's go with um you know let's go with uh, his right hand man instead or something like that you know. Right, which is interesting, right? Rich, what is it, Basicia, Basicia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so he takes over. I mean, honestly, though, Gus Bradley's been a head coach before. He would make some sense in that position, right, you'd think. Um, and and the hard thing is, is I think you look at that roster, and they've got some young pieces. They've got – they really do. That's But that's my worry. Anytime you see a change in, in ultimately who was making that decision on personnel, which he was – then you get like this drastic potential turnover. So, you know, if it's me, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're probably going to give Gus Bradley an opportunity to interview. You're probably going to give a number of other, you know, Eric Bieniemy's out there, whatever other offensive mind. Um, you know, Joe Brady is kind of the hot offensive mind too out in Carolina. He's young. But I, I think, you know, when you look at Brandon Staley and you go, oh, okay, like maybe this guy just really gets it. Um, regardless of his age, regardless of his experience in the NFL, uh, I think you start to see guys who just get it and you kind of have that in factor and maybe Joe Brady's just that too. So um, we'll, we'll see what kind of transpires as far as the head coaching hiring, but I just, I wonder if this is the end of this or if we're going to see more from the NFL to investigate things with Mark Davis, or maybe that was mm. Gruden falling on the sword where it takes away all the heat 
But let's be real. I mean, you'd think that it wasn't stopping just in 2018 when he became the head coach. It probably continued to a degree. And, you know, you'd figure like, you'd, you know, if you really want to prove a point, you're going to try to rid everyone of that. However, I mean, I, I do feel for John Gruden in, in only this aspect. They did bring him in and then they do hard knocks with him. They use him for that. They use him to help move the team to Las Vegas. Like there's all these things that they kind of used his – I don't know, fame for or name for. And, and then you see how they, they kind of handle this situation, which it was handled appropriately. It's just, you know, there was a lot of a using of him. And now it's like, I don't think he has pink and iron back. No, you know, I'm not sure. I, I mean, you say that, but wait a year or two from now. And then maybe people's opinions change because let's be real. They haven't replaced them on Monday night football. So, yeah. um, it is, I, th- I saw, I think it was Mike Florio wrote this, and it, it's not a, cr- I mean, Florio will throw out some crazy harebrained conspiracy theories, but this one is actually kind of maybe has some legs. So, so Gruden was hired, as you pointed out, in t- 2018 by the Raiders. Um, uh, 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 Bruce Allen wasn't let go in Washington for like a year and a half. So about an 18-month crossover there uh, with John Gruden's hiring, which means that John Gruden was probably communicating with Bruce Allen frequently. Because, I mean, like, uh, people need to understand, these guys are, like, thick as thieves. They're really close. Yeah. Really close. They And they like to go out, they like to pound beers, they like to talk like dudes and about stuff, like guy dudes. Things. Guys dudes. being dudes, yeah. Guys being dudes, exactly. And would you imagine that at any point John Gruden complained about his boss uh, to Bruce Allen via, via the Washington team server that the NFL has now gotten a hold of. It's entirely possible. And that may, you know, that was Florio's theory is that the NFL went to Mark Davis and was like, look, you, you need to make something happen because there are more emails that will come out if this is not taken care of. Right. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, I mean, it makes sense. I just, I mean, or like he's, talking about, a, it, or he's talking about Derek Carr. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, right. No, I, I, I'm not saying oh, like 650,000 emails, you're going to find something, right? Like, especially over what, 10 years? That's what we're talking about. I mean, come on. You're going to find something. I think if you search anyone's email account, you're going to find, you know, emails or comments or things that makes them look bad in a certain way. We're all human. You know, no one's, you know, uh, without fault or, you know, I, mean, I don't think I have an in. email from the, I don't think I have an email from 2011 that's still on a server anywhere. I mean, maybe it is. I guess you can retrieve it, but like, I mean, Can I, you? I, mean, I, I don't even know how the cloud works. It's like stuff just goes up there and it stays there, I think. <laughs> well, but that, that was my whole point, too, is so Bruce Allen, because he used his work email address, the NFL had access to all these emails. If he just uses right. if he just signs up for Gmail or they just text this, is like this doesn't get out, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Which I mean, again, who knows if we're venturing into a realm where that does become public knowledge or public information. Um I mean, I just think anything you send in the email nowadays, you better be prepared to, you know, have people, you know, read it publicly or, you know, you know, it's going to be exposed or seen at some point. Absolutely. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will discuss some other football matters. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, the just on the coaching stuff, it's – your point about what will the NFL continue to do is important because I think it's just too early to discuss who the Raiders might hire. You know, right. they, we, we don't know what the fallout from, I mean, it's week five. This is it's crazy early for, for a coach to be taken down with a 10 year old email scandal. I mean, it's well, especially one where like they're, if you just look at it from the football standpoint, like they had constantly been building up to this point, you know, four and 12, seven, nine, eight, and eight. They were three and zero, and they kind of started to fall by the wayside. And I, I do wonder if this week's game had something to do with what came out last week, oh, yeah. and if the locker room was just distracted or disgruntled or however you wanted to, you know, describe it. And so they, they weren't getting better. Like I don't think there's any doubt that they were an improving football team. Um, and now it's like, dude, I, I don't know what to think of where they're going to go, um, but or, or what even this opportunity looks like for that next person. Like I think there's so much to be figure it out or sort it out with all this. Yeah, absolutely. And you would not put the Raiders in a team that would win the Super Bowl. However, we do have teams to look at. Let's, let's talk about Super Bowl contenders. We're five weeks in. We can, we can say contenda, pretenda. We can, we, can we can pass judgment on these football teams. The Bills, are they the best team in the AFC? Because they are five and a half to one. They're ahead of the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I think you should give the title the best team in the NFL right now, right? Ooh, sure. Sure. I mean, who else Who else would you put ahead of them? Arizona? The Cards or the Bucks, maybe? Yeah, and I don't know that I'd put either. Um, so, yeah, I, I, would, I would say the Buffalo Bills are the number one team right now. I, I, you can't understate, too, how big that win was, you know, versus Kansas City, especially for home field in the playoffs and how things could turn out. So Enormous. Um, and I think you look at the offseason, too, and what Brandon B. and Sean McDermott did. Just essentially saying, like, hey, we know what we need to do in order to get to a Super Bowl. That's how we're going to draft. That's what we're going to focus on this entire offseason. That's what they did. Like, they don't even have to pressure, really, because they can get pressure with that front four. That's a valuable tool and asset. And I also think the one difference between Josh Allen and Mahomes is because they have ridiculous arm talent. Like, I, I personally think Josh Allen has a stronger arm, but not by much. But I also think Mahomes can throw from a bunch of different angles, maybe more so than Josh Allen. The X factor to me is they're both mobile. Josh is willing to use it, and he's more durable because of his size. He's like that much bigger than Patrick, who's not small by any means. But Josh has a little bit more of that athleticism, pop, like mobility. Josh is and like you saw in that. Well, you, you saw in that first drive, like when they started running, it was like, oh, and, and now the Kansas City defense has to worry about this, like. As bad as they've been this year, there's no way you're going to be able to stop an offense that has that ability to throw the football, run the football, and include the quarterback in that mix. Yeah, and I thought it was the general approach by the Bills for this game. You said they've been building for this. They're also building to beat Kansas City. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Your teams did this for years with the New England Patriots where they would right. – No, that's what I'm saying is like the entire offseason draft, everything, it was all built based on to beat Kansas City. Yes. They, they don't care about their division. They're just looking at what do we need to do to get the Super Bowl. 
it's get past Kansas City. That's what that's what I was trying to say. I'm not sure if that if you heard that part. Well, that's the beauty of it. A good host brings it out. That's, what, that's right. That's yes. right. Even though I, I do think I you might have just repeated it. Maybe we can go to Debo and not get some input from him. It's probably likely that I repeated it. Um, I was trying to coordinate. Yeah. I was trying to coordinate an advertisement, an advertisement read, um, in in the middle of it. So yeah, but you yeah. seem distracted. Yes, I'm always distracted. No, I mean, it, but it, look, they they came out with a different offensive game plan than they'd used all year. Was you know Josh Allen running, and it threw the Chiefs for a loop. And they came out with this defensive game plan and said, "We're gonna." I, I know you just said Can that. We be, well, no, no. Can we be real about this though? Like. This is an awful Chiefs defense. Awful. It's gonna it's gonna keep them from being able to be potentially up. I think even in the AFC Championship game. Wow. Like, let's be real. They're they're two and three. This defense right now, like I saw this out there, and you're a big stack guy, so I'm sure you can back this up. So the St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf, averaged what seven yards per play, I believe, in that year, in what two thousand, whatever it was. And the Chiefs are giving up seven point one yards per play. That's crazy. I saw that somewhere. I'm like, good God, that is like. The opposite, obviously, of the greatest show on turf. It's like allowing the greatest show on turf to walk into your stadium every single time you're playing defense, right? right. And it, it, like you're turning and you're not playing. So the Chiefs are <laughs> obviously you're not playing Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, and Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, you know, everyone else, Isaac Kim. You're not playing all those guys, Orlando Pace. Like you're just every single team that walks in, it turns into them. Is essentially yeah. what you've done. And I will say, look, they've had a tough schedule. Uh, Browns, Ravens, Chargers, and Bills are for the were the best teams in that division or in that conference, excuse me. And then, conference, yeah, yeah the, and the Eagles were fine. I mean, they, they took care of business against them, but they still gave up a ton of points. And the defense, uh, you know, if you like, yes, I mean, the defense is trash. It's it's very bad. Would you bet them? They didn't have plus, Chris Jones. That's part of it too, right? Yeah. But would you bet them at plus 750 to win the Super Bowl or do you need better odds? What's the, what are the bills at right now? Bills are five and a half to one. Chiefs are seven and a half to one. I mean, I would go with the Bills right now because I think either way it's plus money, and you could say, "Oh, they'll turn it around." I mean, the, the now, you know Chiefs are Chiefs are capable of going on uh, what a, a twelve game win streak at this point, right? Like you could say that. I, I don't know though. I think it's it's hard to feel that way considering how bad their defense has been. I think it puts them in compromising spots uh, offensively, and I just have a hard time believing that's going to be the case, especially considering we already watched the Chargers beat them this year. I'm not even sure they win the division at this point if their defense is playing this bad. So they're, to win the division, the Chiefs are three and a half to one. That is crazy. It is. It has probably been t- ten years since they've been that high. I mean, they, they just win the division all the time. Oh, excuse me, to win the conference. Oh, never mind. Devo said AFC. I'm an idiot. Um, I was like, man. I was like, I'm gonna be distracted because I'm about to go bet that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I still think they can. They're minus one twenty five to win the division. Interesting. That's still – I don't mind it. I just – I think they're good enough where they'll figure something out. They also have Washington, Tennessee coming up, the Giants. But then before the bye, they have Packers, Raiders, Cowboys. So those two games against the Packers and the Ra- Packers and the Cowboys are, are pretty huge. Not They don't count as much in terms of the, the AFC slotting out. But if you win those games, you feel like you're, you're back in the race in the division, I think. Um, yeah, 100%. I mean, plus just for your own confidence and mojo with everything, right? For sure. So I – I mean, look, they're never a team you're going to write off because they have Mahomes, because they have Andy Reid. But let's be real, too. You know, Patrick is turning over the football now more than he really ever has, at least to start off a season. And the funny thing is, is I, I've always said this, like, a lot of those throws and things that you see, like you saw in him at Texas Tech, 
the difference was like the way the field spread, the fact that you're playing against lesser defenses so that ball finds the ground more often than not. But I mean, that would have been one of the things you said about him if you were like evaluating him coming out was, yeah, he takes some chances, he throws some balls into coverage and he's got a lot of confidence in his arm strength and ability to hit those windows. But that's going to create some turnovers from that time. You know? that's, what, that's what people said about him. They're like, it wouldn't be surprising if Mahomes came in and led the league in picks, you know, because he's so risky and and he, yeah, he got 50 touchdowns and, and, you know, 24 interceptions. Like that's very possible because as, as, as much as talented as he is, he also takes those sorts of chances. No doubt about it. Uh, Mahomes, by the way, now at 16 TDs and six picks on the season through five games. So uh, interception rate at 3.1, I believe that would be the highest interception rate of his career but let me confirm that yes by a lot 2.9 in 2017 which didn't really count because one game 2.1 in his mvp season of 2018 and 1% the last two years so throwing a lot more picks than he was before in the nfc we have the buccaneers are plus are five and a half to one to win the super bowl the rams are eight and a half to one and the packers are 12 to one cardinals 13 Cowboys 14 to one. Do any of those teams intrigue oh, you? Those odds. I love the Cowboys at those odds, right? right? I mean, do. so if you're saying Tampa Bay is the, the toast or the top of the NFC, we saw how close they looked week one. I would make the argument that Dallas looks better now than they did then. I mean, offensively, they feel like a juggernaut. Um, defensively, they've continued to get better. Trayvon Diggs might be the defensive player of the year if the season was over right now. And they've dealt with injuries and been able to come back from it and they're getting healthier and better within Dan Quinn's defense. So I think you can make the case that is a, I'm not saying it's like a surefire bet or anything, but uh, it's worth the risk uh, as far as what they're at right now. I would even say maybe the Cardinals too, but my only, the only concerns I have with both situations is the durability of their quarterback. Mm. I mean, obviously Dak Prescott's coming off an injury, but if he goes down for any period of time, it, they don't have the backup to be able to supplement that. Maybe you just sign Cam Newton and, you know, move from there. Uh, but same thing with Kyler Murray. I mean, he makes that offense the way it is. Like, he's he's the one that creates all these issues for defenses and how they game plan. If you take him out of that, as talented as they are on the outside, yeah, I just – I don't think you get the same effect uh, as far as what you get from Kyler Murray when he's playing quarterback. It's funny enough, you know, I, and I know you're big in the advanced analytics when it comes to talking about mm -hmm. NFL teams, mm -hmm. but looking at Football Outsiders DVOA ratings, which were updated on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, actually, about 45 minutes before we recorded this, the number one team in football, the Buffalo Bills, but number two team in football, the Dallas Cowboys. And in fact, this is kind of shocking. There are only two teams in all of football that have a top 10 Offense and a top 10 defense by DVOA. The Dallas yeah. Cowboys and the, Dallas Arizona, is one of them. Yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. You know what the, is great about that is you had to use your nerd stats. I just watch film. And then I, I can come to that conclusion watching film why you need the stats to back that up. No, no. I I, I also watch football games. Remember I was complaining about Oh, how, okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's nice you. to take the two. It's, you know, it's nice to say, you're like, man, Dallas is defense. I'm kidding. Relax. No, I relax. relax. I know. All the nerds out there, relax. All right. Oddly, so the, way, that that'll give me that'll probably give me uh, that'll probably give me suspended at some point, right? You can't say nerds anymore. Calling HR, uh, the uh, yeah. uh, Chiefs fourteenth in DVOA. Yikes! Overall, first in offense. The Buccaneers are second in offense, and Rams third. Cowboys fourth. Cowboys sixth in defense. Cardinals are eighth in offense, fourth in defense. Mm -mm -mm. The Bills have 
what appears to be by far and away the best defense in all of football by a good lord by a substantial. Who do you think ball. runs away with like executive of the year? Is it Steve Kime or Brandon Bean? Because I think they'll both be up for it. Probably Steve Kime. Could, God, could it be Stephen Jones? <laughs> or Jerry Jones? I, I, would, Jerry? I, mean, I don't know. How you... I would take that award, Stephen. <laughs> and Stephen Jones just rips yeah. right from it. Uh, no, 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 no. Listen, son, here. Now, here's the deal here. Uh, Let me tell you, son. Let me tell you something. The only thing that worries me about the and the Cowboys have the benefit, too, of – so if you don't want Cowboys versus Arizona, you know, Arizona, it looks great, but might just might not win the division because it's a hard division. The Rams are good. And, um, you know, the 40 – I mean – They're in the lead right now. For sure. And Seattle lost Russell Wilson for several weeks. And the, the 49ers do not look like a, a team that has quite figured it out the way that some of us thought they would. So. Yeah. By the way, on that note, on Russell Wilson, like I had this injury in my right index finger. Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah, and and look, the reality is, I don't know the extent. When did you when did you suffer the injury? In two thousand eight, as Monday Night Football versus the Bills, I ended up hitting off Marcus Stroud's helmet. Oh wow! Uh, Immediately knew something was wrong. I just thought I jammed it. Never had really done anything like that before. It was so cold, I couldn't really feel my hand anyway. But it was really, really swollen with my index finger, my middle finger. So we ended up finishing the game. I kind of, I kind of played through it. And the next, you know, Monday, Tuesday, they tried to drill through the nail because my nail was all bloody and all that. Oh. And it wasn't releasing any of the pressure. So I practiced Wednesday and like, I just cannot move my finger at all. And then finally we go to get x-rays. And they're like, oh yeah, you did fracture a bone and ripped off some tendons. Like you're going to need surgery. And I was like, well, I was like, let's just try to like tape it up and I'll try to play with it couldn't really throw the football effectively, especially, you know, if you can't spin it, which this is, you know, their right index finger is the last thing to come off your finger. Your, your you number, got problems. Your numbers the following week against Houston are not ideal. Uh, no, eight, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like you, you, the problem is when I'd go to throw, like you had no pop or power off this. So there'd be times when I could like use my middle finger to kind of push. And then that, so I could like carry over a defender. But I remember, they brought a blitz zone. It was a, it was a field fire zone from my left. And I had a, a skinny post in behind when I planted and went to throw the ball, like literally just like almost like it was dropping out of my hand. Like as I went to push, there's just nothing on it. And it just ended up being short. And the, I think the zone drop defender ended up picking it off. I was like, dude. And so we, we ended up talking on the sideline. I think at halftime, I was like, yeah, I was like, I just, I can't like, you either need to figure out a way of taping it up to help. or I don't know what to do. I just need to get surgery get pins put in. So that was that. And it took me six weeks because once they put the pins in, you can't play with them. The pins are in there. They're set in your finger. And you can see my finger is still kind of crooked. But you you have to set them in in two ways to let it heal. And you put it your hands in a cast. So you're not going to be able to play with it if you want that area to heal. There's some online or social media doctors who are like, oh, yeah, we can put a pin in and play. It's like, no, dude, that's not how it works. You're a doctor. So it'll be like I would be shocked if they take the pin out within four weeks, that's like a really accelerated healing process and time. And it probably will take you another, at least a week or two to be able to get that like mobility and function back in your digit, which again, people are going to be like, Oh, it's just your finger, dude. It's the last thing that touches the football. I can't tell you how important like that, you know, feeling and everything else. I mean, for me, like I still don't have feeling on the ends of my finger. And it's like that it changed when I came back to throw. I was like, ah, oh, it doesn't feel the same. But you know, that's what you deal with when you have injuries, we have to get surgery. Yeah. And I mean, like the way that Russell throws the ball too, you know, you can see the spin. He when he throws his 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 best aspect of his game is the deep ball. 
and he yeah. throws it in a way that the spin it goes up and then it takes another little spit like it's it's not because he's just winding up his arm and bombing ball like there's i mean when, when you when you throw a football you rotate it with you know you're using your i mean you're using your fingers well, the, the last two things that touch the ball your index finger your middle finger and yeah. so if there's anything wrong with either it's going to impact your spin rate it's going to impact your power and everything else off the off your hand and so to adjust that or adapt to that it, it takes time and that's what's going to be interesting to see how fast he's able to come back and then what he looks like when he comes back because like i said to the end of this day, or to, to this day, I still have no feeling in the tip or edge of my finger. And it was always the weirdest thing for me throwing afterwards because it was like, it just didn't feel the same, ro like rolling off my finger as it did before. That's crazy. And you hadn't played, because you, you didn't play your rookie season. And then... Right. So that was that was my second start. I started on Thursday Night Football, yeah. played well, started Monday Night Football, played okay, heard it like in the first quarter. And then, you know, that next third game, <clears throat> just try to tape it up and play with it. I mean, you should have seen. I remember Rob Chazinski, I already see uh, that Wednesday after practice, like, looks at me and goes, what the hell is wrong with you? And I was like, I mean, you should have seen some of the balls just look like ducks. It just, it looked like a helicopter. And I was like, dude, I, I'm sorry. I was like, I can't really feel my my index finger, my middle finger. I'm doing the best I can dealing with them. I got to figure this out. And that was when they were just like, yeah, let's go get some x-rays. I'm, now I'm trying to find a picture of you. I'm trying to use Google again to find more pictures of you and your your busted finger, but nothing, nothing, uh, nothing pops up. Boo. I want to, well, we don't, we, we didn't make a big deal about it. Like it's not like we stopped the game. I literally remember it was so cold in Buffalo. I went over, sat on the heated bench and I kept putting my fingers. They have these like little slots. You can kind of put your hand in just to try to warm it up. Cause it was so stiff and it was like not really moving much. And I was like, all right, you know, we're just having to kind of deal through this the rest of the game. But like I said, I, I didn't know. I thought it was just like, you still have your finger in basketball when you like kind of jam it. But uh, that wasn't the case. Well, speaking of the Browns, let's get out of here on this. Dark horse to win the AFC. As we mentioned, the Bills and Chiefs are the top two picks. If you were choosing between the Ravens at 12 to 1, and by the way, man, Lamar Jackson looked awesome on Monday night. The Chargers at 16 to 1. Justin Herbert is incredible. Or even the Browns at 14 to 1. Um, I think Baltimore is more of the team that I think I have more faith in at this point, but that's actually kind of a good thing for Cleveland because you should be playing your best football at this point of the season. Right? right. And they still have all the components, I think, to be that team. So there's two things that stand out. Obviously Lamar's statistical performance was great, but I, what I think you've seen now is almost like Josh Allen last year, where the consistency of who he's throwing to the system he's running ended up paying huge dividends last year and really even this year as far as how he's operating within the offense. We're seeing that now from Lamar. Mm. And I think the thing about Lamar that, you know, he, when you look at, you know, him and obviously same draft class, the difference was like, yeah, it's a year later, but it was going to be a year later, right? He needed more development, more time as a pocket passer or throwing the football than Josh Allen did. But now he's there and he's starting to like really flourish, I think, as a pass, which is a scary thing mm -hmm. for every defense that wants to try to take him on. So, for that reason, I'd say Baltimore right now, because he literally put that team on his back on Monday Night Football. But again, it's, you know, the games in November, December that ultimately end up sealing it. And that's where you want to play your best football. And so I'm not concerned at all for Cleveland not being at that point yet. I mean, they're, they're, they're still playing competitive in games and they're playing with a third string left tackle, right? Like they're overcoming some of their injuries, some of their issues. Uh, I would probably take a stab at uh, the Chargers there at 16 to 1. I think they're playing great football. Herbert's awesome. Staley, Staley's. You know, Philip Rivers isn't there anymore, right? 
Like, you know that, right? Like, Philip Rivers is not I there know. anymore. I, know. I can't let him go. It's like you have this love affair with the Chargers. Like, did you well, go to the Chargers? It just old takes exposed me too. The, I, apparently, I, I was critical of Justin Herbert coming out of the coming into the draft, which I was, and I was wrong. Could I mean? I, I, but I don't think the Chargers knew what they were getting in Justin Herbert. Well, I, I tell you this much: the Dolphins sure didn't know what anyone was getting sure. in Justin Herbert because <laughs> they might have looked at that a little different. But no, I mean, like, I, I think now when you see him within the Chargers system and compared to what he was at Oregon, and that honestly, like breaking down Oregon and, and looking at their offense this year, seeing him firsthand, you're always like, God, like Mario Cristobal just wants to run the football. Like if he ever just opened things up when Justin Herbert was there, maybe they win a national championship. You know, maybe it was a different story, especially that final year where they win the Rose Bowl. Uh, but I digress. Uh, I, I think there was, that would have been like your only reservation about him because he checked off every box other than that, um, given what he did at Oregon. All right, fair enough. Uh, you got to go. I got to go. Brady Quinn, another Brady Quinn. Right, let's go. All right, let's go. Let's, let's now go. we're done. Uh, <laughs> uh, another Brady Quinn football show in the books. Thanks, Brady. Talk to you later, buddy. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.